But Parker is my witness today. I've got my fingers crossed, and I will be having my fingers crossed in studio all week long until I hear that Lincoln Cure will indeed be in town this weekend for OU's Junior Day. Come on, tell me Lincoln Cure is going to be in town this weekend. Uh, that get me really, really excited, maybe even more so than last weekend if that's the case. You know I would love that just as much as you would, Tyler, if not more so. But uh, I, I legitimately do not know if that is going to happen or not because it's been back and forth and back and forth, and the word yesterday was he's coming and then he's not coming, and then, oh, you talked to him again late last night, now he is coming again, or at least they expect him. I don't know. He, I talked to him as well. He said he's going to be playing 7-on-7 seven seven this weekend, so – it's all very up in the air, highly fluid, but there is a chance. Come on, Lincoln. I'm, I'm telling you Cure. there's a chance that Lincoln Cure makes his first visit to Oklahoma this weekend. Is he going to be if, – if he ends up signing with OU, which would be awesome, number one player in Kansas, six foot six, 220-pound tight end, top 70 player nationally right now according to rivals, and he could – he, there's a chance he may only move up the uh, national rankings from here on out. Yeah. But is it going to be weird to call him Lincoln? Do you have to call him Cure? Do we need a nickname for this guy? Just kind of wonder the situation here if uh, if you end up signing Lincoln Cure, if it would be too weird, even though it's spelled differently to call him Lincoln while he's here. No, no, we got some time to figure that out. He'll I guess always, he'll always, he'll have to be Lincoln Cure always. Can never call him Lincoln. Can never call him Cure. It's always Lincoln Cure. It's an amazing name. I was thinking earlier, if it happens, and there's a lot of teams in on Lincoln Cure right now, if it happens, where would he where would he initially be on greatest names list in OU history? Of course, you had General Booty here recently, right? That ranks pretty high. Elvis Peacock is maybe my personal favorite. Rufus Alexander, Buster Rhymes, Jimbo Elrod, Granville Liggins. J.C. Watts, Julius Caesar Watts, Aaron Ripkowski. Where would Link would Lincoln Cure be in the top ten? Would he be at number one? Where would his initial name rank? Depends on how quickly you win a championship. Because, man, like imagine, imagine if you will, Oklahoma wins a national title with Lincoln Cure on the roster. <laughs> he makes a and big player. You know, too. yes, the narrative's going to be. Well, I tell you what. Oklahoma football, their fortunes changed soon as they signed that Lincoln Cure kid. That was all we needed was little Lincoln Cure. He would if he makes it to campus. He might have the most popular jersey of any player here, and that could be if Jackson Arnold really gets it going right. But you would the, the Lincoln Cure jersey would have to have the full name on the back of the jersey. You yes. know how you see that from time to time? <laughs> the full name on the back of the jersey, you don't see it very often. I think you would see a lot of Lincoln Cure uh, jerseys being worn at uh, football games if he signs. But I think I think you're right. I think if he if the teams that are he's on here, like they break through and win a championship and he's a big time player, I think Lincoln Cure could be in the same category as General Booty, Elvis Peacock, Jimbo Elrod, Granville Liggins, and some of the other greatest names that are out there. Someone else says Eric Stryker. Yes, I like that one too. One of the finer names that's out there. You, you have a favorite name in OU football history? You Recency bias here going with General Booty? No, no, it's Elvis Peacock for me. It has to be. has to be Elvis Peacock. It's, too, it's, it's the greatest name in OU football history. It is, no doubts. Cherokee Sooner says call him Goodland. <laughs> we, we call we call the other guy Muleshoe. Just call this guy Goodland since his uh since his first name is Lincoln as well. <laughs> well done. 
Camo Sooner says the best OU name of any sport has to be Longar Longar. You remember Longar Longar that I played do. for Kelvin Sampson? That was what? How long ago was that? Oh, five, oh, six, yeah. maybe oh, four, maybe oh, four, oh, five, uh, right in that, right in that. Maybe he, maybe, I think maybe Longar Longar, he caught the end of the Hollis Price, Qantas White era there. Maybe he was there for, for Hollis and Qantas's last year. That, that'd be great. In case it piques your interest, the Sooners are also hosting one of the literal largest prospects in the entire nation this weekend. An offensive lineman from Sierra Canyon High School in Chatsworth, California. Hey, I've heard of that place. Yes, you have. Who stands six foot nine Jeez. and weighs three hundred and forty pounds? <laughs> Jeez, His, this name this name is a mouthful. Uh, the kid's name is Ashton Wintrick. His last name is spelled. Bear with me here. Okay. W n e t r z a k. Yeah, I'm not 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 going to get that one. So I just soon. I want to be clear with everyone right now. It is pronounced. Wintrick, because you're going to see this kid's name on social media posts, or you're going to see his name brought up in articles, and you're going to think, how on earth do you say that kid's last name? It is Ashton Wintrick. Six foot nine. How much? Three what? 340 pounds. Oh. We, we need the photo this weekend of, I'm just going to call him Ashton for now, if that's okay with everyone. Of him standing there in the uh, SEC patch OU uniform, and Bill Biedenboe has the face that Bill Biedenboe always has when he takes photos. I, I can't wait to see that with the arms crossed. Isn't that going to be great? Oh, mm-hmm. man. That'll be something. Uh, Bill, Bill's what, six foot? Six one? Mm-hmm. Something like that. So, you know, like, oh, gosh, I can't wait to see a picture of that kid next to Bill. <laughs> or that kid next to anyone, for that matter. Yeah, it, like, it's hard. I saw him at the All-American Combine last month down in San Antonio, or I guess earlier this month. I'm in February already, but it is still January. Uh, it, it's difficult to adequately encapsulate just how massive of a human being he is. Like, it's one thing to see on paper six foot nine, 340 pounds. It's another to witness six foot nine and three hundred and forty pounds with your own eyes. Like, what would be like standing next to which assistant would be the best gauge? Is is Chavis the the largest assistant they have? Uh, Bates Finley's the largest. Fin- oh, yeah, I guess. Yeah. yeah, I guess. Happy birthday to Joe John, by the way. Absolutely. Good yeah. Dude. So yeah, if he's standing next to Joe John Finley, that'll be a pretty good gauge there. Like, geez, that guy. Oh, you got a a, a good chance here. I mean, he, his his teammate is on campus already. And apparently has a chance to play as a freshman, but oh, you got a chance with the six foot nine offensive lineman, at least early on. They haven't offered him yet. They're gonna have to. They're gonna have to offer him first before we start having that conversation. And to be honest, I don't know if he is an offer guy for Oklahoma at this point, just because of how good their standing is with some of their other targets, i.e., Michael Fasusi, Lamont Raj. And obviously, you don't want to put all your eggs into those baskets, right? Because they are those guys are five stars, and we know what tends to happen with five-star offensive linemen, at least in recent years. But uh, you do have the B.J. Brooks angle. They played on the same line. Wintrick and B.J. Brooks did play on the same line the last couple of years, so you have that connection. Uh, he has immense respect for Bow and his track record, and so I think it's one that Oklahoma can afford to wait on and kind of see what happens with some of their other targets first. 405 says he would be the cure of Lincoln if we win a title with him. That is correct. 405 says Busta rhymes. 
Dead. Ah, Buster Rhymes. Buster. How do we forget about Did him? Did I not say I had Buster Rhymes written really? down Did right you? under Rufus Alexander? Maybe I just maybe I just skipped it. I, I don't know. Jesse G says Chijoke Anyanagitcha. Ah, says obviously man. that's bad spelling. Jesse G, you you really didn't come close, but I'm still going to give you points. Chijoke Anyanagitcha is a nice pull. Nice job. Very nice job. Circa what? Oh three, oh four. Yeah, I remember those days. For my, that was the infancy of my Oklahoma fandom. The hype for him was uh, extremely strong. Wasn't he like OU. he was like the Justin Harrington of that era? Wasn't he? Uh, yeah, yeah. Always the promise of like, oh my god, this <laughs> yes. guy is freakishly athletic, and if it ever comes together for him and. There's rumors that it is right now in the offseason. Just what he, he's about. And I think in 05, he ended up having a pretty decent year, but there was incredible expectations for Chijoke Anyanagitcha. Ferris from Hong Kong says Longar's last year was Capel's second year, Blake's freshman year. Okay. Thank you for that. Horace Ivory, Boogie's on here. Will from Moore says, What about CJ Ayu? So we're going down the all name, uh, <laughs> the all name team right there. I still think Lincoln Cure would be pretty awesome. This close after Lincoln Riley left for USC, and if they were to win big and win a championship. It would take the national media like two to three years to catch on to that, but once it caught on, it would be one of those where in every single game that OU's on uh, TV, which is every game, it would be included in every single broadcast. You know that? Every broadcast would mention Lincoln Cure's name. But OU's got a ways to go. OU's got a ways to go with Lincoln Circumstantially, Cure. I think he might also have even more NIL earning potential than General Booty. Because General Booty would have made good NIL money wherever he went, but especially for Oklahoma, Lincoln Cure can parlay his NIL into massive earnings. What makes the most of- sense? Like a barbecue, like a barbecue company somewhere around here? Something in a bottle. Doesn't really matter what it is. <laughs> Something in a bottle. We need to have the actual Lincoln Cure. Yeah. That or just, you know, whether we're talking about grills or a restaurant that doesn't make dry brisket like the other Lincoln, there's two mm. pretty good possibilities to start mm. off with. Yes. It's a meat thermometer. <laughs> <laughs> 405-651-3439 line. Yeah, we got a lot of text to get to. We'll get to that next. More Cruton, more Portal as well. 24 was uh, an epic year. Or I should say this, 2025 is an epic year for tight ends. We've talked about that. But would, was 2024 epic at any other position groups as we kind of turn the page to 25? We'll bring that up next right here on The Ref. Locked in with McComas and Thune, live on the ref for the homeless Sooner fans. Tyler McComas, Parker Thune, and the ref army as well, listening nationwide via the free KREF app. Fairfax, Virginia is tuned in today. Burgau, South Carolina. Gray, Georgia. Butte, Montana. Santa Barbara, California. Hutto, Texas. And our small town of the day, have we ever had Ames, Oklahoma? On the Ames, roster before? Ames, Oklahoma. No, because I've never even heard of it until right now. Yeah. Ames, Oklahoma. How about that? Big 12 town. Big 12 town name in Oklahoma, out by Enid. Welcome to the show, Ames, Oklahoma. Download the free KREF app. If you haven't already, just search KREF in the App Store. I'm going to do a little bit of a detour here before we get back to OU because so many people are uh, texting in about it right now. 
But uh, is is Tennessee in a bit of hot water right now? Uh, Pat Forty tweeted out earlier Imagine today. That. Less than a year after its last infractions case concluded, Tennessee is under NCAA investigation again, and apparently this covers multiple sports and is described as major. Now, the more I've read into this, maybe this is centering more on Nico and. How much he got paid through NIL? Imagine that, <laughs> folks. When you throw money around willy-nilly, there are repercussions. And I don't know if there's been a quarterback in recruiting that we've like you know not so subtly made fun of for how much money they allegedly got paid than than Nico got paid at Tennessee. I mean, it, it was <laughs> all the rumors say it was a pretty crazy amount, man. So. Now, I have no faith in the NCAA. They're going to execute some investigation and punish Tennessee, but it is interesting that they're under investigation again, Parker, and this isn't long after they were just under investigation a couple of years ago, so I think that is an important thing to note here. Come to find out, it was a Chick-fil-A bag this time that they put (laughs) Nico's money in. Loyal listener Sean, uh, he texted me earlier today and was telling me about this. He he calls uh, Josh Heupel Bobby Hill. From King of the Hill, obviously. He thinks the two look alike, and I, I can't get that out of my mind right now. <laughs> Do you think that there is a comparison between Bobby Hill and Josh Heupel? Can you see the similarity I there? I haven't seen enough King of the Hill to have like adequate, oh, an adequate mental picture of Bobby Hill and all of the facial expressions. I think it's pretty spot on. <laughs> I think it's really spot on. Recruiting Boomer says, ooh, ooh, now do Mizzou and Texas A&M. Yeah, Texas A&M hasn't gotten into any trouble with the NCAA, which is kind of wild, isn't it? Because Miami's gotten in trouble, Tennessee's gotten in trouble. Who else has gotten in trouble? Um, did Miami ever get in trouble? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, Miami did get yeah. in trouble. Um, Florida got in trouble. There you go. There's another one. It's kind of bizarre that Texas A&M, the school that has pretty inarguably thrown out the most cumulative money, in terms of NIL, at least on the football side, has never run afoul of the NCAA. And uh, got publicly called out by the, the GOAT Nick Saban, too. Like when, when people think of NIL in college football, I think most people probably think of Texas A&M because of the spar that Saban and Jimbo got into, what was that, a couple of, couple of years ago. I mean, that's, that's probably who most people think of because of that whole back and forth. Which Jimbo took an L on that one, by the way. I know, and now Jimbo wants to blame it all on sliced bread. Yeah. <laughs> Who's actually sliced Every internet it's brought up, or every, yeah. uh, every interview it's brought up. Sliced bread is actually a personal friend of mine. I know exactly who sliced bread is, and it's just hilarious, because if you met that particular individual, you would never guess that that is the person whose name Jimbo Fisher can't get out of, their, out of his mouth. Sliced bread, though it was an A&M report, got OU ties, correct? Sliced bread? Yeah, it was an OU yeah. insider message board. Yeah, that's what, that's, that's what I thought. Slim Brady says, take a look at Oregon. Oh, now now the text line. Now we're telling the NCAA who to look at now. Guys, I don't, I don't have faith that they're going to punish Tennessee if there was any wrongdoing here. But we can, we can formally send those names over to the NCAA yeah, after the, today's show. I mean, the real penalty here is the bad PR. The NCAA can't do anything. The NCAA won't do anything. The NCAA is a paper tiger at this point. 
Uh, Cherokee Sooner says the NCAA is in cahoots with China. <laughs> it could be. <laughs> wow. Jeff from OKC has Prime gotten in trouble. That was released last week. That looks like that was pretty minor. I wouldn't expect to hear much uh, happen yeah. to Colorado yeah. out and of again, that. Programs self-report minor violations all the time because minor violations happen all the time because NCAA compliance is ridiculously, obnoxiously stringent. The only reason that one made the news was because it was Colorado. Look at that text on the text line from uh, 9079, the last two digits, second from the top. Now do you see it, Bobby Hill and Josh (laughs) Heupel? It's pretty good, isn't it? Yeah, that's pretty spot on. <laughs> well done. Uh, hey, good luck trying to unsee that now when you look at Josh Heupel the never next will. time. Yeah, you you never you never will. Hopefully, I don't accidentally ask or call him Bobby Hill at SEC Media Day this year if he comes for a sit down interview. With hey, the Bobby. Ref. Bobby. <laughs> Though I'm kind of convinced how he uh, feels about things, like. Oh, oh, Hype's still upset about some things that happened here. I wonder if it's, hey, we're, uh, you know, Oklahoma radio station based in Norman. I, I wonder if he would give us five to eight minutes in an interview at SEC Media Day this year. I, I don't I still think he feels a uh, certain type of way about, uh, about OU and how it all went down. Best I can tell. I don't, I don't know if he'll give us the time of day or not. So We'll see. Again, the one interaction I've ever had with him, he didn't give me the time of day. So... That's the Josh Heupel I know. <laughs> you got to run it back this time. I guess. Try again. Uh, okay, so 2025. We talked about Lincoln Cure already today. We'll talk a lot about Lincoln Cure in the 25 cycle. A lot about Nate Roberts. We'll see what happens with Desan Brame. Seems like he's an Oregon lean right now. But those aren't the only three elite tight ends in the 2025 class. Nope. I mean, there's, what, at least six? I, I mean, maybe even eight to ten elite tight ends in this class. It's it's crazy just how many big-time tight ends are in this class. And somebody texted it in last week. I want to give him credit. I can't remember who said it. But Devon Mitchell was supposed to be in this class as well. And he was a five-star before he reclassified. <laughs> it's quite a thought, isn't it? But as we look back to 2024, was it an epic year, an elite year, an unusual year for any particular position groups? Was it an elite year for wide receivers? Was it an elite year for defensive line? Did did, you, did any position group have that type of year in the 24 class? Uh, I don't know that it, I don't know that any group was epic. I don't know that any group kind of lagged behind the rest. We've remarked on it quite a bit. It's a really balanced class for OU. For the second straight year, it was a really balanced class. Now, I would say the group that is probably strongest would be either wide receiver or running back. Yeah, uh, and I there were a lot of really good wide receivers, man. Yeah, well, and I throw in running back too because Oklahoma has Andy Bass in addition to Xavier Robinson and Taylor Tatum. So you get the number one back in the state of Oklahoma, and you get the number one back in the nation, and then you throw in a guy who I firmly believe, firmly believe, should have been a blue chipper. His late season ACL and meniscus injury probably didn't help things in that matter, but. Uh, yeah, it was a really good year across the board for wide receivers in the 2024 class. It was not a great year for quarterbacks. I like the one that OU got. I think Michael Hawkins is going to be a stud. I'm glad the Sooners got Michael Hawkins because if they hadn't gotten Michael Hawkins, I'm not sure. Well, and Brendan Zerbrug as well. I don't want to forget him. Uh, he's he's definitely a kid that he probably needs a little bit longer than Hawkins before he's ready 
but definitely somebody that has a bright future of his own. I mean, DJ, DJ end, Lagway ended like, up being the highest-ranked yeah. quarterback, and I, and I think he could be a nice player at Florida, but I, I don't see... I, I thought the 2023 quarterback class was really good, especially at the top. I, I didn't, like, to your point, I didn't see that with the 2024 crop of QBs at, at all. The fact that DJ Lagway is the number one QB in the 2024 cycle speaks to how weak that class is because DJ Lagway and, you know, having conversations with folks at the All-American game as well, this is kind of the general understanding on DJ Lagway, and I agree 100% with it. He is an enormous boomer bust type of guy. Like he is either somebody that will go to Florida and have a ton of success, or it's all going to come. Uh, it's all going to come unraveled in spectacular fashion. Well, it depends because, on who they hire after they fire Billy Napier after this season. That that that, that yeah, might, might have a big big role in that one. Uh, that situation down there, at Florida, from an administrative standpoint, especially not great. Really uh, thought that was going to work you, out. I thought that was a good hire. <laughs> Believe me, folks, at the University of Oklahoma, you are blessed with a lot of first world problems because the problems that your athletic department has or that you perceive your athletic department has, I will tell you this much, they pale in comparison to some of the issues across the rest of the Power Five at the administrative level in various athletic departments. Florida is a dumpster fire. Yeah, and they have like the most... They have more staffers than anyone else in college football. At least they did a, a year or two ago. Like Georgia and Bama have had large staffs as well. But I feel like Florida was like going all in, like a re- game momentum. Like they, they hired someone that had the title like game momentum or something like that. Is game uh, momentum analyst? Yeah, that was it. Sam and Edmund, great text here. Lincoln Cure is a new rock and roll tequila flavor for sure. The bottle simply reads: "Erasing mistakes one shot at a time." In Bob's hand, uh, I would buy a bottle. I'd buy two bottles right now. Sam and Edmund, that's one, one that's to drink, fantastic. one to save. Uh yeah 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 one to drink one to save the the bottles would be saved that that much is for sure that that would happen uh nine one eight do you guys remember a couple of years ago when BV called out Caleb Hicks by name in a press conference when Hicks was still just a recruit and literally told on himself right after he did that that was pretty funny <laughs> yeah it was uh, Dalen Smothers actually he mentioned Dalen Smothers by name and yes that that constituted a minor NCAA violation right there so that is the type of thing. Not not that exact thing, obviously, but that is the type of thing that Deion Sanders in Colorado had to self-report. 918, Brent Venable should ask Nick Saban to be an analyst for a season or two. We jokingly asked Bob Stoops last week if uh, he was going to call Nick Saban to see if he wanted to be an analyst with the uh, Arlington Renegades this year. <laughs> Bob just laughed and was like, yeah, probably not, guys. <laughs> probably not going to ask Nick Saban to be an analyst on the staff. But it was a good thought. Uh, by the way, the ESPN 300 rankings, I know we joked about them yesterday. I'll at least read them off to everyone. OU finished with the number eight class on ESPN. David Stone was number six on ESPN. You hear that, Shannon Terry? David Stone was number six in the ESPN rankings. Taylor Tatum at 38, Devon Mitchell at 68, Zion Kearney at 74, Nigel Smith at 124, B.J. Brooks at 145, Danny Okoye at 169, Zion Reagans at 181, Ivan Carrion at 241, Reggie Powers at 259, Jaden Hardy at 263, 11 in the top 300 of ESPN for OU. 405-651-3439 is the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. More Cruton, more Portal.
Coming up next, right here on The Ref. I'm going to test your uh, memory slash knowledge of college football a little bit here. Well, let's go. I love trivia. I yeah, I guess it could be trivia. Oh, okay. Has there ever been a college football team that's played the majority of its home home games outside of its own state? Has that ever happened before? Outside of its own state. The majority of its home games, at least for one year. Now, teams have had to play, you know, in other stadiums, you know, like sure. in, in other places, but I don't know if anyone, I can't think of anyone that's had to play outside of their own states. Um, Kansas is going to have to do that this year, technically. Because Arrowhead is on the Missouri side, not on the Kansas side uh-huh. of Kansas City. So KU's going to play four games at Arrowhead Stadium this year. So technically they'll be playing four games in the state of Missouri this year. KU football. I just wonder if that's ever happened before or not. Yeah, survey says no, at least as far as I can recall. I Like, there's no other cir- – there's no – there's really no other circumstance in which that would happen. I mean, obviously I can think of a time where a professional team has had to relocate. Obviously Oklahoma City hosted the Hornets back in the day when right. New Orleans got ravaged by Hurricane Katrina. But as far as a college team playing outside their home state, yeah, no. No, nothing comes to mind. This one just says Minnesota Golden Gophers. Yeah, like I, I know Minnesota was, was building a stadium and maybe they had to play elsewhere, but they didn't have to play – Minnesota wasn't playing outside their home state for the majority of their games, right? Chapstick says maybe Maryland when D.C.'s football stadium was in D.C. But no one can immediately think of a time when a team played in a different state for the majority of its home games, like KU will this year. And you know, Mizzou, Mizzou Twitter was having fun with that today. Saying like, <laughs> we should buy up whole sections for KU home games next year. Show them what it means to play in the state of Missouri. It's like, hey, nerds, will not you worry about <laughs> filling up your own stadium first, okay? You're not that guy, Missouri fans. You're not that guy. 405, what about Tulane during the season following Hurricane Katrina? I don't, yeah, so the Saints played at LSU that year, right? I think the Saints played at Tiger Stadium and LSU that year. I don't remember where Tulane played that season. Did they play in Houston? Did they? They might have played in here. I don't yeah. know. Huh. I'll, I'll dig into that. I'll get you an answer. Jim and Arlington, Tyler, didn't Vanderbilt have to play at a high school stadium last year while their stadium got remodeled? No, I think Vanderbilt was playing in their own stadium while all that was, was going on. And they were kicking into an end zone that had no seats and it was just construction going on. But again, even if Vanderbilt did, it was still within the state of, of Tennessee. That's that's what's different here about uh, about KU. But yeah, they they won't be playing home games in Lawrence next year. They'll be playing four in Arrowhead and two at the uh, soccer stadium, which is uh, actually on the uh, on the Kansas side of the border. In two thousand five, Tulane played its eleven games in eleven different stadiums. Jeez, that is wild. Whoa, does it list which stadiums they all it, the stadiums they played? It does not. 11 different stadiums? Wow. Also, maybe I should have known this. I didn't. I didn't realize Mac Brown left Oklahoma to take the head coaching job at Tulane. Yep. Then I think he went from Tulane to North Carolina, North Carolina to Texas, and then Texas to ESPN, and ESPN back to North Carolina. Shout out to Sooner fans' favorite Tulane alum, J.P. Lossman. Yeah. He and his wife are uh, on the staff here. Zoo does a, does a very nice job.
I know that she kind of JP was a first round draft pick back in the day. People forget you got a first round draft pick at the quarterback position on your staff at Oklahoma. But people are have been complaining for a couple of years, like, well, you don't have a true quarterback coach. You got an offensive lineman coaching the quarterbacks. Now you got a former running back fullback coaching quarterbacks. When is OU going to hire a legitimate quarterbacks coach? And if your definition of legitimate is he had to have played the quarterback's position or played the quarterback position in order to coach quarterbacks, well, then where was the outrage when Cale Gundy was coaching running backs and then wide receivers at Oklahoma? Because he never played either of those two positions. Muleshoe played quarterback, but he was a scrub. (laughs) Facts. Mike Leach basically kicked him off the team and said, yeah, let's just be a coach here. You know, that's probably where your future's at right now. Just go there. Uh, Nate Roberts, we didn't talk a lot about him yesterday. He made it to Norman Friday of last week, Thursday of last week. week. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm only going to take that, even with the Ohio State crystal balls, I'm only going to take that as a good sign that he made it to campus even with the seven-on-seven stuff going on at Miami. And if he was there on Thursday, he was probably the the only recruit that was in the facility at that time, correct? So so what is it – what what does it really mean? This won't be the last time Nate Roberts makes it to OU. Far so from it. What what do we take out of a Thursday visit that he rescheduled because he couldn't make it in for Junior Day weekend? I mean, it's a good sign, I suppose, that he decided to drop in, drop by campus before he hit the road for Miami. But look, end of the day, this kid is going to visit Oklahoma a zillion times between now and signing day because. He's 20 minutes down the road, and his brother plays at OU. I, there may be days he just shows up to campus just for the heck of it, not even to do the whole visit thing, but just to be here. Because, I mean, it's convenient, right? And he's got a reason to. He's got a legit reason to. So Nate Roberts is going to have literally every opportunity to spend as much time as he wants around and on the campus of the University of Oklahoma. So, once again, goes back to the discussion we were having last week. If he goes to Ohio State or to Oregon, it's not something to rake the staff over the coals for at Oklahoma because what else could you have done at that point? Like, what else can you do? What else could you have done if that kid decides, you know what, no, I want to be a Buckeye or I want to be a Duck. I don't want to be in Oklahoma sooner. There's nothing you can do, right? The kid just has his mind made up. Yeah. So, like, the number that would be nice, like, would you just take Lincoln Cure by himself right now if you could get it in this class? I mean, I, I, I certainly would. But we got greedy a few weeks ago and say, hey, maybe you can get two at the top six tight ends. Maybe you can get two top ten tight ends in this class. Is that going to be really difficult to pull off? Not just because getting two elite players at the same position in one class, but that Devon Mitchell's already on campus. It, like, Is Devon Mitchell going to be an obstacle of landing two top tight ends in this class, or is that still a realistic possibility? No, it's still very realistic, and the Sooners intend to take two tight ends. Uh, obviously, you'd like Nate Roberts to be one of them because you're essentially queen, or clean sweep in the state of Oklahoma at that point among the top guys. Uh I, what is it, six? Is it six of the top ten right now that are already committed to OU? The only holdouts would be Roberts, Tristan Haynes, Caden Knighton, and C.J. Simon, who's committed yep. to Nebraska. So there's a world in which you go eight, even nine of ten. 
And that bodes well for the future as you make an effort to be the program that everybody in the state of Oklahoma that's worth their salt goes to in order to play football. So I think best-case scenario, Nate Roberts is one of those guys. And then if you can get Lincoln Kerr, great. If you can get Desan Brame, great. I think the Sooners have an excellent shot to land Chase Lofton, but it's going to come down to how hard they press or how hard they feel they need to press for Chase Lofton because undeniably – Brame, Roberts, Cure, those take precedence over pretty much anybody. Angry Ronnie says, I think he wants me to say it in uh, this way. Anything on C.J. Nixon, 2025, top 10 player in the States? Uh, My colleague Brandon Drum was actually out there in Weatherford, America earlier today, touching base with C.J. Nixon. So if you're an OUinsider.com subscriber, there will be a C.J. Nixon update by end of day. Hopefully C.J. wasn't just shooting free throws the entire time Brandon was trying to talk to him. Because I, I, I think that's I tell a, you, that's Oklahoma, no, they don't got anybody who can make a free throw right <laughs> that's now. That's true. So. Get C.J. Nixon. Come on, Porter. C.J. Nixon can, can hit free throws. Get him on the squad. No, but that's kind of it, right? It's, well, I mean, what is what is C.J. Nixon, what, what does he want to do? I, I, I think the ceiling is higher for him, football-wise, but the kid loves basketball. He does. And you can't fault him for that, but he, not to say that he doesn't love football, but he, he loves basketball, man. Yeah, well. Jacoby Johnson loved basketball, too. Jacoby Johnson had designs on playing both sports. End of the day, he realized once you get to college, that's really not feasible. And I imagine that's going to be Oklahoma's message to CJ next. Like, hey, listen, you want to you want a sport that you can take seriously in the long term and make a career out of? You're a six foot five big. You can go play college basketball and that's probably it. Or you can come here, get developed as an edge rusher, as a defensive end and potentially enjoy an NFL career and create generational wealth for your family. Six foot five, two sixteen. I mean, that's you're you're, you're kind of limited to to what you can do basketball. I mean, there's some you know great players that are six foot five, six foot five, two sixteen. You can do some special stuff uh, defensively. Yeah, the list play, playing football. The list of big men who have made a living in the NBA at six foot five <laughs> consists of Charles Barkley and who the heck else? Yeah. Well, I. C.J. Nixon, number five player in the state right now uh, out of Weatherford. But, yeah, you know, I, I remember us talking about that with, uh, with Jacoby Johnson. It doesn't seem like that's a worry anymore. Seems like he's pretty much locked in to, uh, to, to the football side of things, which is good. 405-651-3439, Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. Who was ranked too low in the Rivals 2024 rankings? Adam Gorney has a OU signee on the list. How about that? We'll tell you who it is coming up next right here on The Ref. Dorsey Jones Buick GMC in El Reno, bringing you the sour of Locked In. Dorsey, Dorsey Jones is family-owned and operated, established in 2020, but many of their employees have been there for more than 20 years. They sell Buicks and GMCs, which are some of the best trucks and SUVs on the road. Dorsey Jones Buick GMC in El Reno. How about this via Rivals? They had kind of a summary of the final Rivals uh, 250 from last week, and they go down their national recruiting analysts, and each one has a player they think is ranked too low in those final rivals rankings. Old Gorn Dog, your boy Adam Gorney, says, well, I think Jaden Jackson is still ranked too low at number 188. Gorney says every time we've seen Jaden Jackson in a game setting, the OU signee has performed really well, 
So it was surprising that he finished number 188 overall and number 10 at the defensive tackle spot. If it was solely up to me, I would have moved the IMG Academy standout to around 8th nationally, and that would have put him inside the top 150. That might not be high enough, though, because Jackson has always been very productive. You ready for a chuckle? Man. You ready for a chuckle? Yes, please. You think Jaden Jackson, or Gorney thinks Jaden Jackson is ranked too low on rivals? You want to hear where he ranks according to ESPN? I read it off earlier. Where is he? A three-star 78 and the number 37 defensive tackle in America. Jeez. (laughs) Wow. 37th defensive tackle. Just, it, it just, ESPN's like, it's just a jag. Just a guy. No big deal. What is everyone so excited about for Jaden Jackson? He's just a three-star average defensive tackle. Man. All right. I guess I'll trust Gorney's opinion on this one. Guessing he probably saw them, uh, Jaden Jackson up close more than ESPN did, but that's, that's just a guess for me. And we're about to get another Duggan Norman text. Why do you hate ESPN recruiting rankings? Because they don't put any effort into them. He did text that earlier uh, in the show today, essentially. Tom Luganville does a great job, but Tom Luganville is a one-man operation, and ESPN gives him no help. Uh, here's another one for you. Who did you battle for in the rankings meeting that will make you look smart down the road? Ooh! Adam Friedman? Says EPL. Eddie Pierre-Louis. EPL is a player the entire analyst team really likes, and we're way out on a limb with him. Yes, you are as the number 33 national player. No doubt. The rest of the industry doesn't have him ranked anywhere close to where he ended in the Rivals 250, and it's really puzzling, honestly. He's six foot four, three twenty. He's a road grader with elite strength, lateral quickness, and athleticism for his position. Pierre Louis is a shoe in at Oklahoma, and it will be really surprising if he doesn't pan out in Norman. I would agree with that. It will be really surprising if he doesn't pan out. Now, as far as how quickly he pans out, that depends on a lot of things. But I will say one one guy that I fought for. I was about to ask you this, so too good. Yeah, well, I fought for a lot of guys. I'm trying to figure who do I want to, who do I really want to highlight? Because I fought to get rankings bumps for a bunch of OU's commits. Guys, who were your like you're, you're most passionate about and though? You were like, all I, right, guys, like I, I know I've maybe sent in five or six names, but if you're going to listen to any of like listen to this one here, seriously, I'm telling you, this guy's better than where you have him ranked. Michael Hawkins, yeah. certainly. Michael Boganowski, mm-hmm. as well, and then. I was also really high on Andy Bass, and I know we've talked about that, and I know it's tough because now he's coming off that ACL meniscus injury, and there is the natural question, okay, is he going to be the same guy after the injury as he was before it? I tend to think yes, and again, I was pushing for Andy Bass to get the fourth star. The odds of that happening kind of went out the window with the injury, but I think the guys that are going to make me look really smart down the line are Michael Hawkins, Michael Boganowski, and Andy Bass. From the 918, I'm stoked about Wyatt Gilmore. He was tossing dudes down the field. Yeah. Wyatt Gilmore. Maybe uh, I d- d- didn't talk a whole lot about him throughout the process. But. I wish I would have gotten the chance to see him in person. That, that was going to be tough, though, to, I was, to get to I was going to travel up there to Minnesota. It was going to happen. And then the day I was supposed to go up there was – Unfortunately, coincidentally, the day that Boganowski decided that he was going to announce his commitment to Oklahoma. So I had to go to Junction City instead of up to Rogers, Minnesota. But yeah, Gilmore, one of those dudes that I 
I wish I wish I would have been able to see more of him and naturally more of Akin Kunmi because those are two guys that I think have immense potential and maybe it's potential that none of us even realize it is there just because we have seen collectively as an industry so little of them. Uh, Gunning, just in case you're wondering, says I'm really high to Parker. So good stuff, Gunning. <laughs> I would expect nothing less. <laughs> you just want, some you just things want. never change. <laughs> Uh, Mongo says if the 25 class can land Roberts and Brame, then we've completely turned that room around in two recruiting cycles. Uh, yeah, yeah, big time. I mean, Roberts and anybody, right? Like, And it, it, it doesn't, doesn't even have to be Roberts. Look at the four targets on the board right now. At the top of the board, I should say. Cure, Roberts, Brame, Lofton. You go two for four, you oh, bat 500 with those yes. dudes. Yes, any combination, you have transformed that tight end room. Any combination of uh, uh, of that four, yeah, for sure. If you, if you get uh, if you get two out of the four, yeah. So, so hopefully he makes it in. Hopefully Lincoln Cure makes it in this weekend for this second junior day, which will have some impressive names. I mentioned Cooper Perry when we started off the show today. Didn't get back to that. Apparently, you guys have something on it at OUinsider.com. Yeah, but we do. What he's the number one player in Arizona is he, he's going to be in this week. He's yeah. really good. And watch for one of those tape. final coveted wide receiver spots as well. Fun football player. Go watch the tape. He's exciting. Yeah. All right. We'll talk more about junior day coming up tomorrow, the big weekend ahead. The Rush is coming up next. Keep it locked on The Ref.